Welcome to episode 197 of Hit the Mic with the Stacey Harris. Hello, hello, episode 197 is here, uh, and we're going to talk about membership today. We're going to talk about uh, subscriptions and membership uh, with the author of The Membership Economy, uh, Robbie Kelman Baxter. I'm really, really, really amped to share this with you. So, little backstory, several months ago now, several months ago now, I got the idea of, of starting uh, a membership site, which is of course, hit the mic backstage. Uh, and so <laughs> I went into research mode and I found this book and I read this book and I really, really, really loved it. Uh, and so I reached out to Robbie to see if we could get her on the show and she was gracious and wonderful and said yes. Uh, so there are some really great insights in this interview. There's some really great uh, takeaways and some actionable stuff for sure. But with that said, I 100% encourage you to read the book. Even if you're not looking at doing a formal revenue generating uh, membership site, there are some really great takeaways to how we treat our clients and and you know client retention is something that we don't hear nearly as much about as client acquisition but it's so so important uh, and so there's some really really great stuff in here and uh, you know from a community perspective and 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 from a membership perspective too so I do encourage you to check out the book if you would like to read the book there is a link to it on the show notes page over at thestacyharris.com/episode197 there's also a link to hit the mic backstage, which is of course my membership site. Uh, so if you would like to learn more about that, be head over uh, there or directly at hitthemicbackstage.com. Uh, it's a really, really great community. Uh, and I built it and it continues to build it with a lot of the principles I learned in this book. So very cool. All right, with that, let's jump in and talk to Robbie. All right, guys, I have Robbie with me now, and I'm really excited to uh, to talk about the membership economy because, as you know, I recently launched a membership site, and I'm fascinated with this whole idea of a shifting and changing economy. It's probably just the business nerd in me, but that's okay because it that's why you're listening to this episode. Uh, so welcome to the show, Robbie. Welcome as one business nerd to another. <laughs> Yay! See, business nerds unite. Um to be fair, everyone listening is also a business nerd. That's why they listen to this show. So we're, we're amongst our kind. It's awesome. good stuff. Uh, before we jump in and talk about membership, uh, I would love for you to take a minute and introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, I'm glad to. So uh, my name's Robbie Baxter, and I've been a strategy consultant for the last 15 years, working with companies like Netflix, Yahoo, SurveyMonkey, but also lots of small businesses, private companies, solopreneurs helping them to build their business models using principles of membership, things like subscription and community. And I love what I do. I live in Menlo Park, California. I have three kids and uh, excited to be here with Stacy. And, and I love that you used my favorite word, community, because that's <laughs> what I think is most intriguing for me with this, this membership shift. And, and one of the things I really liked about uh, your book was the the community aspect i'm fascinated with community it's why i like social media it's why i teach social media it's why i built uh, a private community as my as my opt-in it's why i run a private membership community uh i love that so i'm glad you mentioned that and i'd love to talk more about before we dive deep into some sort of examples of how this can be done 
what exactly the membership economy is um, and why it's relevant and why things have shifted. So the membership economy is a massive transformational trend that I first started noticing about 12 years ago with Netflix and then Amazon and which is now industry by industry really changing how organizations engage with their customers and it's about a transition from ownership to access and from the transactional to the relational and it is also exemplified in the way that organizations connect with and communicate with their people, not just one-way loudspeaker communication or even two-way direct communication, but multi-directional, open, and transparent conversations. I love that, and, and I think it's really interesting that you talk about this, this uh, shift from, from ownership to access. Because it really has dripped into most industries at this point. I mean, you use some great examples uh, in, in your book about cars even. And I live in Phoenix, Arizona, where the idea of giving up your car is crazy. <laughs> because we have very little public transportation and we're sprawled out very far. And it's really hot. Um, and so it was fascinating to me, but you know, I think about other places and I think about friends that I have who live other places and the idea of owning a car is just a colossal pain in the butt. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the thing is that owning a car has a unique set of values and a unique set of costs, right. and it's not just the dollar cost of buying a car. Um, and the value, um, is not just getting from place to place. And so when you start to take apart um, what are those values? And you start to think about which values do people really want and what are they really willing to pay for? So, so for example, even in, in Phoenix, I could imagine that something like Uber could do really well. It does be- do very well, if, right? not, if not for just me alone. Okay, because, <laughs> because there are people who say, I, like, I live in Phoenix where it's hot and there's no public transportation, but I don't know how to drive. Mm-hmm. Or my eyesight is failing. Or I've had too much to drink. Or I thought I was getting a ride home with a friend and that doesn't seem to be working out. So for those people, the flexibility provided by Uber combined with um, the high quality cars and the good drivers and the low prices makes that a better package than owning a car. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, So that's what we're really, I mean, really when I'm thinking about the membership economy, I'm thinking about taking apart what it is, the, the real mission and the real value that you provide and having organizations focus on providing that value on an ongoing basis for their customers and being flexible enough to change the way they deliver it based on what's going on in the market, how the, how the customer's needs are changing, um, and what is possible. So, so for example, like if you have, um, if you think about Google and the libraries, okay, mm-hmm. they have the same mission. Public libraries and Google both are, exist to provide the world's information for free or very low cost. Mm -hmm. Um, Why didn't the libraries think of this? It's true. You know, I mean, (laughs) they were so focused on books and buildings that they couldn't kind of make that leap to say, if we want to continue providing that value to our members, and libraries have members, um, we should be thinking about new ways of delivering that value to take advantage of new technologies. And they just missed the boat. And that's one of the things I like, uh, again, about what you write in your book, 
is the idea of evolving that even once you establish this sort of you know new offering this new sort of membership this new community it evolves even once it's created it's something that's sort of it's a living breathing thing that grows why do you think that is um i think that's because people's needs change and what's available changes and and too many organizations from the very big to the very small fall in love with their own products mm-hmm. and they love their products more than they love their customers um, and they don't think of their customers as members to whom they have an obligation. Uh, they think of their products as the most important thing to which they have an obligation. And I think that sets a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs on the wrong path. I, I think you're right. I think also there's this sort of idea that I got this to work. I don't want to get something else to work. <laughs> yeah, and I invested so much in this, mm-hmm. and it's so good. You know, and then, and then they even, you know, a lot of times, you know, like people hire me to, you know, help them with strategy. And a lot of times they know what the strategy should be. They just don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, like they're like, well, I see, you know, like you look at professional associations right now, for example. Um, these are like, you know, the association of, you know, the American Marketing Association or the Direct Marketing Association, the Association of Neurologists or mm-hmm. the American Geophysical Union. You I mean, pick, take your, take your pick. All of these associations you know, the, the value that they provide is, you know, helping their members have more successful careers. Well, you know who's helping members have more successful careers? LinkedIn. Yep. Right? And so, you know, if you want to, you know, you really, if you want to help professionals have more successful careers, you need to be thinking about what LinkedIn is doing and how your members' expectations have changed and where you can provide differentiated value. Um, and you can't say, but but we have this really awesome binder with all <laughs> of our members' personal information that we make available when you join, right? Because that's mm-hmm. available for free now. Yeah. Well, and I, I I like the focus on on thinking about it from a value perspective because I I am somebody who who does better in sales and in marketing of my business when I think about the value that the end user receives. It's just always been an easier way for me to to wrap my mind around it. Awesome. Uh, so when I launched my membership site, which your book was a big part of, um, it, it really came, like, what is the actual value I, I offer people? Like, what is the actual reason I am doing all of this? Yeah. <laughs> and for me, it was helping people keep up. It was helping people stay clear on their social media options when a new network comes out, you know. And that's not something where, you know, any old program would do you know yeah i can i can launch facebook programs to the cows come home but that's not the ultimate value of why people are paying attention to me and so i think when you shift your mindset to away from your offerings and towards your value it gets really really clear about how you actually need to serve your community and your members and your your clients and whatever you want to refer to them as do you do you think that that's why the membership economy is becoming so accepted by the end user is because they have an easier time seeing the value being sold to them? Yeah. So, yes. So, a couple... I, I have a lot I want to say because okay. that is so awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, first, that's good things, right? <laughs> yes. So, first of all, um, to answer your, your question, um, the membership economy, people have always wanted to belong. So, mm-hmm. this is not new. We have always wanted to have 
um, great organizations to which we belong that provide us with the value that is most important to us. The areas that matter, we want to have, you know, ongoing service providers, ongoing communities, ongoing delivery of whatever it is that we value. And we want to have confidence in, in those relationships that as my needs change, they will anticipate them and take care of me. So, you know, you join a gym, you know, the assumption is they're going to always have the latest equipment, the newest classes, the healthiest approaches to losing weight and getting fit. Um, and, you know, the flip side of that is that when you, um, when you go to your gym, when you go to a friend's gym when you're out of town and you see that their gym is way newer and nicer and they're paying the same price, you say, wow, my gym is, is taking advantage of me because I was counting on them and they're not mm -hmm. honoring that. So it is a, it is a double-edged sword. And it's happening across industries now because technology is making it possible to deliver value in new ways. So like 10 years ago, Uber wouldn't have been possible. Right. right? The way Amazon delivers value in retail would not have been possible, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So that's a big part of it. But I, if I can just ramble on here for a second, I Go wanted ahead. to say your, what you said was so amazing about what value you provide, that you help people keep up, because that is something that will never change. People will always want to keep up, mm -hmm. and it gives you the ability and the gift of being able to push out there on the edges of what's happening mm -hmm. and keep learning and keep bringing it back to your people. So you will always be relevant as long as you keep doing that. And the fact that you're building a real community means that you can continually ask your super users, what, where are you having trouble keeping up? And the answer will always be useful and will always be your North Star. So I love that. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, I just love how you described your your mission. I think it's it's tremendously useful, and it's it's you know it's a virtuous cycle. You're going to create a virtuous cycle. Well, I'm super glad that it enables me to to be always learning because that's I when I started my business and and talking about social, it was because I found I was fascinated when new things happened and I wanted to learn about them, and I realized that everyone was not that way. There were people mm -hmm. who were like, oh my God, Facebook is making changes, not again, please no. And I was like, yay, new toys to play with. <laughs> and so I, I, I like that. And I think that's really when you hit sort of a win-win space. So we, you mentioned something that I really want to talk about because I think that it's so relevant, um, not just from a membership perspective, from, from a, a business building perspective. I want to talk about super users. Okay. So I, also, I often call them sort of your brand ambassadors, the people who are kind of they're always in it's when it they're they're the people you sort of see involved with you all the time whether it's in your offerings or in your content or whatever so can you talk a little bit about what super users are and why they're so important absolutely so i use the metaphor of a super user like superman as opposed to the you know ambassador evangelist other words and the reason is because i want it to be bigger mm -hmm. um because it's not you know an ambassador goes out and represents you but the super user goes both ways. So they go out and represent you and bring in, you know, new members, but they also help the members that are already there get better at what they're doing and they provide valuable feedback to the organization to help them be better. So, you know, we just were talking about how, you know, into your future, you're going to have your super users coming back to you and saying, "Hey Stacy, 
we want to understand Pinterest, or hey, Stacy, we want to understand Periscope, or hey, Stacy, we understand all the different tools, but we're having trouble keeping up with how do you prioritize them all? Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, and so getting that feedback is so, it's not just one way. It's not just they're going out and, you know, spreading the word that I've taught them, but it's that they're coming back to you and saying, okay, here's where we're having a problem, or here's what we need. Um, and it's really important with your super users that they are representative and aligned with the direction that you generally want to go. So, for example, if you have a super, a heavy user of your of your community who only cares about Facebook, mm-hmm. and that's all they talk about, they give you tons of feedback about more things you can be doing with Facebook, mm-hmm. and you should be teaching classes and you should have training programs for Facebook. That's not consistent with your mission, right? And so they're constantly going to be vocally pulling you in a different direction. So that's the risk of super users. But what the real super user is somebody who's aligned with with the direction that you want to go. And they and they help you and give you honest feedback um, to get there. And they also help your members. So, you know, I know you have a lot of solopreneurs um, in your community. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really great things that happens when you build your own community around your thought leadership or around uh, your your content is that the members start educating each other, mm-hmm. which frees you up to push the envelope and learn new things, and that's where the magic happens. And so, as a as an organizer, as a sort of community leader, whatever we want to call that, how important is it to make space for those super users to give that feedback? And and how should we be doing that? You know, like I get most of my content ideas. From we run weekly office hours in our private Facebook group where I answer questions for two hours a week. And that gives me a lot of the content ideas because not only for inside backstage, but this podcast, quite honestly, because I see the questions that are coming up over and over again. Should I also be like surveying them and doing things like that? How, how do I get so, that feedback? Yeah. So what you're doing already is amazing. You know, answering those questions, st- you know, one of the, the challenges when you become a thought leader is that you become more and more distant often from you know the people you're helping mm-hmm. because you're doing these more leveraged things like writing and speaking. Um, so having one-on-one contact, you know, um, Tony Robbins, for example, I mean, he still does these events, right? He does not have to do events anymore, but he right. still does them and he's in front of people all the time and he still does one-on-one coaching. That gives him the food for, you know, his, you know, whatever new directions he takes and mm-hmm. um, gives him new stories and gives him, you know, every, so so that's one way of, of, of doing it. What, um, you know, Salesforce, the, the um, software as a service company that's, that's based here near me in the Bay Area, um, they have a program called MVPs, which is for their, it's a, it's a designation that is conferred upon their best members, um, the most active and useful members of the community. And it's basically a definition of a super user. These are people who bring in new, new customers and members within their organization they um, participate actively in user groups and communities and programs and um, sometimes offer trainings themselves to help their peers. Mm-hmm. And they give feedback. They actually get together with Salesforce product leadership and give them feedback. And a few of them every year are given the, the, the title, the status of being MVPs. And the reward for being an MVP is they get more of the same. They get a, bigger opportunities um, to speak on bigger stages um, they get this this designation under their name, which they can use on their resume. 
and they get all kinds of logo wear and they get access to more and more senior people at the company of Salesforce. And, you know, I talked to the woman who runs this, you know, who runs communities, uh, Erica Cool for, for Salesforce. And she said, you know, the MVPs are really important to us. And she said, but we have other channels as well because we want to hear from everybody. And so we have multiple channels for getting this feedback. So yes, they do surveys. They talk to brand new members who haven't done anything. They talk to people who cancel. They talk to people um, who make the buying decision. They talk to people who are the heavy users. Um, they use uh, one-on-one meetings. They get feedback from their sales team. They get feedback uh, from their customer support team. So what she said is really important is that you want to hear from the different groups. You don't want one group's voice to become too loud. Mm-hmm. And that's the only risk that I could see with, you know, and I'm sure you're doing a lot of these things, but you know, if you only, if you really only got your feedback from a group of, um, you know, members of your private community who called for, for office hours, you might miss some, some massive trends um, from people who don't use that one channel. Awesome, okay, great. That's really helpful, thank you. So before as we're, we're nearing the end of our time and I wanna make sure we get in one or two of these case studies um, of people who are doing this, because I want people to see how possible this is. Um, I know it's been a game changer for me, and quite frankly, the most fun thing I've done in my business ever. Um, but I would love for you to share just one or two sort of case studies of of people who have done this. Yeah. Okay. So one that I one story that is in my book and that I I really love is um, the Association of per- Personal Photo Organizers. This is a woman named Kathy Nelson who used to be a Creative Memories consultant. I don't know if you remember. You may not be old enough to remember <laughs> Creative Memories, the scrapbooking craze where you know um, a, a Creative Memories consultant would come to your home and um, go through your pictures with you and help you find like cute little cardboard things that you could put into your picture albums to make and glitter and glue and all this. <laughs> um, not my scene, but very, very successful. And she found that with the transition to digital photography, well, first of all, Creative Memories went out of business, um, but she noticed that her former clients still needed help organizing their photos. So she established something that she called the, first she just helped them as a consultant, but then she created this association of personal photo organizers. Um, And she runs it like an association, but it's hers. She owns it. And she has created a set of of courses and programming as well as online community. And now she has a conference every year for professional photo organizers. So if you wanted to do this, you could take her course and learn some of the basic business skills and also the content that you need in order to, to do a good job. You can come back to her for feedback. And so she's making money, you know, from each of these members who are, you know, she has free stuff. She's a freemium model. But then um, what's been really interesting is that now that she has critical mass of members, she actually knows more about where home, you know, uh, where people that love their digital photos are moving, how they use digital images, what their problems are, um, where they need new, new solutions. And she's getting outreach from all the major um, uh, digital photo companies, you know, the, the Kodaks and Shutterflies of the world. Oh, wow. Right? And so she is now this expert, right? The work she's been doing with her community actually makes her an expert on the kind of people that are in her community. That, that's so, awesome. And, and, and she's one person. So anybody that's listening to this that is saying, 
I can't do what Robbie's talking about because I'm just one person. You know, you can build a huge and, and powerful and valuable community, um, generate great value for a broad range of people and corporations, and be fairly compensated for that um, if you really think strategically and fit all the pieces together. Well, and I think that's really, you know, it's interesting. We, we do, we think about the idea that this idea of membership or generate recurring income or, or managing something like this is massive. We think about it in terms of, of Netflix or Uber. And in reality, it can be something that you, you can do as one person uh, if you put the pieces together. And I think if you understand the, the psychology of the value of, of talking to them in that way and, and providing that evolving value, I think personally, it might even be easier to do as one person than a bunch of people, because then you make the decisions and you see the trends and you go, okay, yeah, let's do this. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know you've talked, you know, in other times about, you know, sort of the whole, you know, world of, you know, freelancers and, and mm-hmm. virtual helpers and all kinds of things. It's, it's really possible now to build an organization that is lean and efficient and that supports your vision. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's a great place to end it is the idea that just because you're running it as one person doesn't mean there's actually only one person involved. You can get the parts you need help with built. You know, if, for me, I, uh, I, I had a lot of the pieces pre-existing and had built, been built before. So putting it together was, was semi-simple. Um, but if I had had to have built it, built it from scratch, you know, like the, the actual like technological framework of it, um, I could have absolutely brought on somebody to help with that. There are people who specialize in this. Um, and so don't let that stand between you and distributing the content for sure. Right, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I would love for you to let everyone know where they can, can get your book, where they can learn more about you. Yeah, great. So you can get my book um, pretty much anywhere books are sold, uh, Amazon.com, um, Barnes & Noble, uh, either online or in their stores. Uh, or, you know, the independent bookseller near you. And um, you can learn more about me. Uh, I'm really easy to find, uh, membershipeconomy.com, or at my consulting firm website, which is peninsulastrategies.com, or you can tweet to me, Robbie Bax, you know, my first name and last name, uh, cut short, um, phone number, you know, everything's out there. I'd, I'd love to hear from from your people, Stacy, if I can help them. And um, I'd love to to be part of your community. I think what you're doing is really amazing. Oh, thank you. So uh, yeah, there will be links to get in touch with Robbie uh, on the show notes page. uh, And of course, a link to her book. And I highly recommend it, even if you're just considering trying to figure out how you can do this. It's really, really helpful in getting some clarity and really around the mindset of, of thinking about membership and thinking about community. I think one of the things you'll be most surprised by is how many of you, because I know you, I know you guys realize that you're doing these things in small ways already. And this just sort of, it gives you some sort of credibility to it. So, so definitely check out the book again, show notes. will have a link uh, to check all of that stuff out. And of course, get in touch with Robbie. I would love to hear from you. So check out the VIP community and let me know what you are talking about with membership um, or thinking about with membership. And I will see you guys next time.